Hey, well, good morning. My name is Colin. I serve as the lead pastor here at Nona. Uh, and as I say, we gather in the room. There are also people that are joining us online. Can we put our hands together and welcome those that are joining us online today? So happy that you're with us. Uh, well, hey, if you're new here uh, at Nona, today is Build the Future Sunday, uh, and this day is going to feel a little bit different than most Sundays here uh, in our church family. Uh, we're, I've got some steel here that's in uh, the front of our auditorium, also throughout uh, our auditorium as well. And there's going to be a moment in our service later today where uh, we're all invited to stand up and come and write our Build the Future prayers on these pieces of steel that are going to be in our permanent facility for decades to come. I was just at that uh, location just a couple of days ago, and my heart was moved to think about how much God has done and accomplished in such a short period of time. I mean, it was just a couple of months ago that we were there, and there was grass, and then that grass became a dirt, and we broke ground, and to think that we've broken ground, we've established our concrete slab, and now steel is in the air, it's just a sign to the kindness and the goodness of of God. And today we're celebrating that as we build the future together. Together we'll write our prayers on steel. A number of us will uh, give generously above and beyond what we normally give to further the vision and mission of what God's calling us to do. Some of us will make commitments for the first time. And I'm excited to see what God does as we all have a next next step to take uh, today. Uh, My heart, my heart is moved because there's something amazing that happens when you and I take our resources and we pull them together to do something immeasurably more than what we could ask or imagine. When God puts his hand on what we give him, it's amazing to see what the result can become. So today I want to be brief. I just want to talk to you today about two things, what we're giving to and where we give from, what we're giving to and where we're giving from. And really, my, my heart has been inspired uh, by 2 Corinthians chapter 9 over the last couple of weeks. Because I think when I read that text, what I think about is you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is a letter that Paul writes to a church that is gathered in a place called Greece. It's been about a year or so since he made known to them a need that existed among some Christians and some other people in the city of Jerusalem. So they're in Greece, they hear about a need in Jerusalem, and Paul says, hey, I just want you to know uh, that uh, you've heard about the need, and I remember you saying that you were eager to do something about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 1, is this, reads this way. It says, I really don't need to write to you about this ministry of giving for the believers in Jerusalem. He goes on to say, I don't have to write to you because of this, for I know how eager you are to help. Would you say the word eager with me on the count of three? One, two, three. Eager. Eager. When I think about our church, I think about this church that Paul's writing to. A church that is eager to help. In the beginning of the year, when we found out that there were Ukrainian refugees that were needing placement, within a weekend, you gave $10,000 to help relocate Ukrainian refugees on the border of Romania, eager to help. Uh, When we heard about uh, a need in the island of Grenada where there were some women, a large number of women that were needing to be cared for and needed access to counseling and some, some important kind of kingdom principles in their lives, you were eager to help. And we sent a group of women from our church who were professionals and skilled to speak to and care for women on that island nation. Uh, When people in Romania let us know that they needed help running summer camps to reach uh, Roma gypsy children, 
We sent teams from our church to go and serve and, and help hundreds of kids come to know Jesus and experience his love. You have been eager to help. Whether it's packing 75,000 meals for the food insecure in our community or if it's coming alongside Choices Women's Clinic and making sure that they have what they need or meeting the need that the YMCA had when they said, hey, we need to help 400 kids get enough school supplies and backpacks at the beginning of the year, you were eager to help. Church, in our short history, your generosity has not only been found in thousands of hours of community service, but hundreds of thousands of dollars that have been given to both global and local initiatives that are changing people's lives. If there is something I know about Nona Church, you are eager to help. We can celebrate that. That is worth celebrating. And that's really served as inspiration for me. See, you're not just eager to help, but, but you need to know that what God is doing here, it's unique, it's special. It is something that not everyone can say is true about their experience in church. Paul continues and he says this, I've been posting to the churches in Macedonia. In other words, he's been talking about the generosity of these people in Greece, and he's been telling them about the story. And he says, I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. In other words, the ways in which the people in Greece were generous to the church in Jerusalem inspired another church in Macedonia to say, hey, we want in on that too. And I've seen the inspiring work that this church has done through your generosity inspire others. I get to travel the country meeting with pastors and got friends in a variety of different cities. And when I tell them that, that in our few short years, there's this church community that has raised resources and, and given so much away and, and made a difference in their community. And then that we're building a permanent facility as quickly as we are in the short history of our church. My friends get inspired. They tell me, what is God doing there and how can we learn? You are inspiring churches across the country. You inspire me. I mean, I think it's inspiring to think about the fact that some of you have given resources away to a church facility down on Arcusi Road that you may not attend on Sunday. That's inspiring. It's inspiring that in just a few moments, we're going to give resources to expand our ability to reach kids here at Nona Church. And many of you don't have children, yet you're going to give to that very work. It's inspiring when people give to something they don't benefit from. You are going to give in the next few moments to help fund a mercy fund that will allow us to make licensed mental health counseling for those that need it financially accessible. And you'll never get to meet these people in person. You'll never get to hear or know their names because of the anonymous, uh, the anonymous and the very simple and, and really important confidentiality of what they're going through in their stories. And when you go to Publix, you might be walking by somebody that you have helped fund their ability to get the mental health care that they needed. Or when you show up on Sunday, you might be worshiping next to somebody whose marriage is intact because of your generosity. That is inspiring. But what I love is that today is not, today is simply an outward expression of what our church has been doing internally since its very beginning quietly and, and confidentially making generous movements that affect people. You see, you see, 
we're in an era right now where, where there's a little bit of economic uncertainty. Can I get a good amen if you'd say, yeah, that's the case, right? So Tony Morgan just recently came out with a study. He's a church consultant. And he said, if you're, if you're a church that's declining in attendance, you're going to feel significant financial impact as a result of that in 2022. If you're a church that's flat in attendance, which is what most churches are in America, you're going to see a decline in your giving in comparison from 2021 to 2022. It's just an economically uncertain time. If your church is growing in 2022, at best what you could expect is that what you saw in giving in 2021, you're going to see in giving in 2022. So do you know how inspiring it is to me that today I can stand in front of our church family and say, because of your consistent generosity over the course of this year, we have already beat budget for all of 2022 at the close of November. That's your generosity. Which means I can stand up and talk about all the things that we want to do in the community and do that in confidence because we've already done what needs to be done here. Everything that is given between now and the end of the year is going to allow us to provide for the resources that move us forward in terms of vision and mission. And that's because of the generosity of the people in this place. It is inspiring to watch. Your giving makes a difference Your giving changes the world. Your giving, it matters. It matters. So what are we giving to? What are we giving to for the rest of this month? Well, we're giving to a couple things. The first thing is we're giving to expand our Nona Kids environments here. We're giving to host more families and help more kids follow Jesus for a lifetime. I got a note um, this week that I that I want to share with you that was really, really helpful in thinking about just how important the work is that we do with Nona Kids. Now, Lindsay shared this a couple of weeks ago, that we've baptized 29 children and students this year, which is an incredible number for our church. Uh, and it's also important to note that 63% of children that make a decision to follow Jesus between the age of 4 and 14 follow Jesus for a lifetime. 77% before the age of 18. We care about the next generation because the next generation here at Nona isn't a place where they simply go to get babysitting. The next generation is where God does incredible work and prepares the laborers for the work that's to come in the future. And what happens in Nona Kids makes a difference not only in kids' lives, but in the lives of families. Let me just read to you a story. It's from a woman who's fairly new to our church. She said, I grew up going to Sunday school for the majority of my childhood. My husband, on the other hand, wasn't involved in church. When we started dating, I introduced him to a non-denominational church, which is where we spent most of our dates on Sundays. Mental note, if you're dating, this is a great idea. Uh, Bring the person that you're dating to church. Watch how they worship. Ask them questions afterward about the sermon. And if they can't remember anything, on to the next one, all right? She says, after we married, my husband started working weekends, and we soon fell out of going to church. When our daughter was born, I told him how important it was to me that we would grow up with a church family. So while my husband worked on weekends, I started attending Nona with my daughter. She began going to Nona Kids and automatically loved it. She started to build friendships. I love that because of our small groups. She is always eager to go to Nona Kids and learn about God's word with her friends. She often comes home and asks questions, which has led us to start reading a children's Bible together at bedtime. 
she also decided on her own to bring some of her own allowance to put in the Nona kids offering. Soon, our daughter asked her dad to come with us on Sundays too. And just recently, our prayers were answered where dad has a new job with weekends off. He was finally able to tell her that we could go to church together as a family. Now listen to this last phrase, and I hope that we celebrate what God is doing. Little did I know, my daughter's eagerness to be a part of Nona Kids would in turn build my relationship with God to grow stronger than it has ever been. Not just for me, but also for our family. Thank you, Nona Kids, for providing our daughter a place to learn and grow with God. Thank you for helping our family put God first above all. Can we not celebrate that story this morning? When you put on a Nona Kids t-shirt and volunteer, you're creating that kind of world for families. Uh, when you give here at Nona, you're creating space to allow us to afford to rent the facility so that we can gather children and connect with families and make a difference in the world. You know that we've been praying about expanding our Nona Kids environment, right? Well, that was a prayer we had just a couple of weeks ago. Well, on Friday... We signed an addition to our lease here, and we've been able to expand our space for Nona Kids starting in January 2023. It's not an idea anymore. It's happened. Can we celebrate that? That's what we're giving to. We're giving to change lives. We're giving to families coming together. We're giving to people experiencing the goodness of God so that their families can know how good he is. Here's the second thing we're giving to we're giving to a mercy fund creation. We're giving to remove barriers that prevent people from getting the help they need. In the last two years, our church, you don't know this, has helped about 30 or so people get access to Christian licensed mental health counseling uh, because of the kind of financial barrier that they were facing. Your giving, your consistent giving does that. And while I'll never be able to give you people's names or even be able to point them out to you, there are people in our community that have been affected by your generosity. I want to share with you two stories. The first one is of an adult who, um, who really needed good counseling during the pandemic. She writes, before going to counseling for the first time in 2020, I didn't know how to name my own emotions. And because I run in Christian circles, I was afraid to feel anything outside of joy. I was paralyzed by sadness and sorrow and refused to acknowledge it, resulting in my positivity becoming toxic. You ever been around somebody who's like, hey, how's life? And they're saying, it's great, and you're like, no, it's not. And they're like, yes, it is, you know, that kind, that kind of person. Yeah. She said, it affected my friends as no one was safe to process hard emotions with me. And it affected my walk with Christ as I didn't understand my own trauma and how God can meet me in it. In a state of desperation and a little bit of shame, I emailed Ann. Ann leads our counseling program here at Nona to see if they had any counseling resources for me. Ann met me with such kindness and understanding that my shame melted away. She connected me with a counselor who I've been seeing monthly for the past two years. I know now how to feel and name a whole spectrum of emotions, able to walk with my friends through their sorrows and see Jesus walking with me and smiling at me even in the darkness. Having a church that cares about me and my mental health was something I have never experienced before. And I am so grateful for their intentionality in those unique spaces to engage with us as we heal from our stories. Isn't that what the church should be? The church should be not a country club for everybody who's got it put together, but a hospital for those that need to experience healing. Let me share with you a second story. A story of a, a parent who's sharing something that no parent should ever have to share. 
about a child who should never have to experience what that child experienced. As a loving Christian family, we thought we were vigilant and proactive concerning raising our kids. And one day, out of the blue, one of our children shared with us that they had been sexually abused. We were devastated and sought to seek professional help. We were shocked by the cost of counseling, but had no choice except to get our child help. And in one email to Nona Church, we quickly received financial assistance and have been able to get our child the help they need. We are deeply grateful for the genuine love and support we have received from our Nona Church family. Can we celebrate God for that? Like, your giving does that. Your generosity creates environments and spaces for lives to experience healing, for adults to get the healing they need so that they can connect in meaningful friendship with others, for children who are going through things they should never have to go through to experience the healing that can come from professionals that can walk with them and give them what they need and parents to receive the training they need to be able to be the parents they need to be. This is what your generosity does. Your generosity changes the game for people. And it's not just a known a church thing. You know, I think there's this kind of argument in the world right now that the church isn't really making a difference or the church is maybe a part of the problem. And in many ways, there's a lot that we as followers of Jesus have to reconcile with. But what has been true about the church for 6,000 years, what has been true about the people of God, is we've always been people that choose to live beyond ourselves, to live with a generous spirit, to make a difference in the world. Did you know that, that the local church, the local church in America alone, gives more resources away to fight poverty, lack of education, and to fight for equality around the world than the United States government does on an annual basis? Do you know the $300 billion that is given away generously uh, to different local and global efforts and charity work around the world? 70% of that comes from the local church. Not from the Bill Gates Foundation, not from a government institution, but from everyday people, followers of Jesus with everyday incomes who say, I want to be a part of something greater than me because Jesus calls me to it. This is our legacy. This is our story. People are in hospital beds that are built by church people. People are in schools that are built by church folk. People get access to education and, and financial literacy and, and all types of health care because of the Christians. Because when the followers of Jesus show up and when we do our job, which is to love without condition, to love with generosity, the world gets turned upside down. And that's the story. That's the story that we're inviting you into. We're not inviting you into a story of building an, a monument to ourselves or an empire or a brand. We're inviting you to be a part of this great story that God is writing. Where no matter what you believe about Jesus or no matter what your church experience has been, that perhaps you might be able to look at this community and this time and place and say, man, they don't get it all right, but those people love Jesus and they love people. I've got to tell you, the last thing that we're giving to today, it, I sometimes feel like I'm living in a movie. Because, because when Stacy and I came here a number of years ago and started meeting in a YMCA, we never imagined, did not even have a dream, 
that we would be building a permanent facility in this region. Because land is incredibly expensive. You know that, right? Land is expensive. And we're not in a community with developers whose intent is to leave space for churches. That has not been the heart of the vision. So when Stacey and I came here and we started meeting in a YMCA and gathering people together, the vision was simply this, to do the best we could in a YMCA because that's what we believe God had called us to. But that God would provide land for us and for our church to be able to build something. It is mind-blowing to me that there's steel right in front of me right now. Because that was not the reason why we came. Because church is more than a building. Church is a movement of people that make a difference for others in the world. That's what it is. And so when we have the opportunity to build a building, to, to build a foundational anchor church with a facility in this community, our hearts began to dream. Not about how many people we could seat in it on Sunday, but how could we utilize this land as a community asset that would make a difference for everybody? And then God put this dream in our heart that we shared with you last year. As a point of reminder, let me, let me run that video for you one more time. On this piece of land that we've got, five and a half acres, we imagined a community park on the front half of the church that would serve as a place for kids to be able to play soccer during the week or on the weekends. That kids would gather there and they would connect and they'd meet Christian coaches. Uh, we imagined that we'd have a place for food trucks and local vendors to come and to be able to sell food because they would be able to have a space next to an event lawn that would serve as a safe place for high school students on Friday night after the football game to, to do movie on the lawn or to have a place to connect and engage and to belong. We imagined that this space would have a playground that, that moms and dads would be able to come to during the course of the week and be able to connect and engage and serve as a place. Well, that's the church with the park. A playground that could be used to help serve preschoolers during the week with the preschool that we envisioned and hoped would serve families Monday through Friday that may never go to church on Sunday, but they would be able to find a safe place for their kids to be able to be raised and to grow. A splash pad that would just serve as a great environment for people to connect because it's hot in Florida and mamas, you need a splash pad, right? And a community space, 3,000 square foot outdoor patio where families and couples and friends and individuals could gather and grab some coffee and have meaningful conversations. We imagined a lobby that was warm and welcoming, a place where families could check their kids in, not just on Sundays, but during the course of the week for different environments. And instead of having to tear down and set up spots for kids to gather, we would have spaces that we could envision and serve kids in the most creative ways possible, for kids that were just born in nursery and toddlers. But this would serve as an environment that, that might serve a working family during the course of the week with affordable childcare. We imagined a, a space that would be large enough to host 75 to 100 for midweek gatherings, but also serve as a great environment for our kids to worship Jesus and praise his name on Sundays. And then we imagined an auditorium an auditorium with advanced lighting and uh, technological aspects to bring the gospel message of Jesus in a way that would be relevant to people today, but remind us of the historicity of our story, that the church isn't just a church of 2022, but that the church has a 2,000-year history that is robust. So an environment that would include stained glass and wooden beams and be a reminder that we're a part of a story that's far larger than ours. This is what we imagined and we envisioned.
a space where everybody could belong, a space where if you weren't a follower of Jesus, you would still see that place as valuable and important to the community because that's where your kid plays soccer or that's where you meet up with your friends at the splash pad or that's the place that provided the training that you needed when you got into a financial situation and offered the class that you needed or the counseling groups that you needed. That's what we envisioned. And I showed that video to you a year ago. And a year later, what was a video is now concrete on the ground and steel in the air because of your generosity and God's faithfulness. Can we celebrate the kindness of God? So that's what we're giving to. We're giving to more families connecting and knowing the good news of Jesus. We're giving to people that need access to licensed mental health counseling, getting that access. And we may never get to hear of all of the great stories of life change, but we can know that we're making an investment that's keeping marriages together, giving kids the tools and resources they need to navigate the complexity of this life, to help adults find what they need so that they can process their own trauma and heal in ways that are healthy and good for them. Which leads to the second question then. Well, where are we giving from? Call what, what resource or place should I be giving from? And Paul gives us the answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 where he continues and he says this. Remember this. A farmer who plants, only plants a few seeds, will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. This first reminds me of Proverbs 11 chapter 24 that says that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. But the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. You know, I've never met a person, never in my life, met a person that regretted being generous. Like, I've never met a person that, that regretted giving more. I have met a lot of people that regretted not being a part of the story. Man, I can tell you that this verse has been so true in my own life. But the world of the generous gets larger and larger. And that doesn't mean that God's going to give you the Cadillac or give you the zip code. But it does mean that he releases you from this slavery to financial worry. About seven years ago, um, Stacy and I, um, we uh, had met a, a young woman in our church, and she needed a car. And it was one of these situations where in order to get a job, you needed to have reliable transportation. But in order to have reliable transportation, you needed a car, which puts you in a really great conundrum, right, which is, well, how do you fix that? And so we were praying one day and just felt inspired to buy this young woman a car. And so we did. Seven years ago, we bought her a used car. Drove it to the place that she was staying, handed her the keys, gave her the title and said, this is yours free and clear. There's not a payment on it. It's for you to have. Well, she took that car and started driving to find a job. She got a job. Well, I didn't think anything of it. She had moved to a different city after a year or two. And about five years later, um, about two years ago, we got a random text message from this gal. And it's a picture of a new car that she had just bought. And underneath that picture was a text saying, hey, thank you all those years ago, for giving me the car that you gave me. It's served me well for the last five years. It's allowed me to get to the job that I need to get to. It's allowed me to get to the places that I need to be at. It's allowed me to save enough money to be able to buy this new car that's my car. I just want you to know I gave that car away to somebody else who needed a car. I will never regret. I will never regret buying a car for that young person. Because the world of the generous, it gets larger and larger. 
I'm so happy that I get to be a part of that story. That's my story. It's a story that I get to tell. Generosity is an opportunity for us to write great stories. Paul continues and says, well, where do we give from? He says, you must each decide in your own heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. I want you to just know this about us at Nona. Like, you are never going to be pressured to give. This isn't about uh, you giving something to us. It's about you giving what God has called you to give to him. There's no pressure to give here. And what you give, it's between you and the Lord. It's what what you've purposed in your own heart to give. Because God isn't looking for people to give begrudgingly or out of obligation. He wants people to give cheerfully because of their gratitude. He says this in verse 8, And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. There, there are two things I want us to hear today. Where do we give from? The first one is this. We give from a place of thankfulness and cheerfulness. We give because of how good God has been to us and our desire to remind ourselves and to honor him with how kind he's been. Here's the second thing. We give with faith. Verse 8 says that, that God will provide generously for all that we need. I know this about the church in Corinth, that, that what they were giving to the people in Israel, like that was going to cost them something. And I know how that feels. Like even right now, as Stacy and I have processed how we're going to participate in Build the Future Sunday, I've had a laugh to myself because I am giving today and our family is giving today in faith that God is going to provide. Because we got a minivan that doesn't have an engine, that's sitting in a garage somewhere, and we got a family of six, and we've been driving around with a borrowed car and our car, and none of them fit more than five people in them. So we drive together everywhere right now. Can I get a, oh gosh, Lord help me for that, that gas, right? It's painful. But in faith we're giving while our minivan doesn't work and another car needs to go to the shop. We're not giving from a place of God it all figured out. We're giving from a place of faith. That God has been faithful to us for 15 years. We've not seen a day go by in our life where our generosity has not been matched by God's faithfulness. So I'm giving today in faith that he's going to take care of me the same way he's taken care of me before. I give in gratitude. I give in faith. Because what happens when, when I give what I give in gratitude and faith, and you give what you give in gratitude and faith, And you sprinkle a little bit of that Holy Spirit power on top of it. God's grace and kindness, his provision on top of it, immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, comes to fruition. And it's not for us. It's not for us. It's for the families that need a space to meet at Nona Kids. It's for the individuals that need access to mental health counseling. It's for the families who will never go to church on a Sunday because church is weird, but will sign their kids up for a soccer program on Saturday where they'll meet Christians that aren't. And they thought they were signing their kid up for soccer, but really what they were doing was signing up for their life to be changed when they met Jesus. That's what we're a part of. So today, today all of you have one of these Build the Future cards. And if you're new here or maybe not sure what you believe about Jesus, like the encouragement for you in this time is really just be inspired. I mean, where else in the world is it that people who are not Christians give like this to things that do not benefit them? Be inspired that you're surrounded by people that that give generously and sacrificially. 
But over the next couple of minutes, I'm going to invite you to do a couple of things. The first one is to pray. I'm going to set aside some time at the end of our service where we're going to invite you to pray. What is God calling you to give? How is God calling you to be a part of this story? On the back of the card, there's a couple of prompts that would help you kind of think through that particular question. For some of you, it's about staying faithful to this here-to-stay commitment you made a year ago and, and continue to give generously to that so that we continue to build what God has built down on the Narcusi campus. For us of you that are new to the story, it's, it's time to engage and perhaps give a one-time gift or to be a part of something over 12 months that you're saying, hey, we're going to make this commitment. And for others, it might be jumping back in, reflecting on how God has been faithful to you. We invite you to pray. And then prepare that card by filling it out. The next step after that is uh, we're going to have a couple of different stations and spaces for you to connect in. One of them is um, you can bring that, that card and drop it off in the black box where our team will take care of uh, that information later. We want to give you an opportunity to sign steal. This is open to everyone. If you're not giving today, that's not the prerequisite to be a part of signing the steal. We want your prayers on this steal. What's the prayer that you're praying for the future of our church? The prayer that you're praying for the future in your life. Write that prayer down on these pieces of steel that are going up in our permanent facility that will be there for decades to come. And for many of us, today is a great day to be reminded of the generosity and the grace of God by taking communion. If you're a follower of Jesus, this is for you. Take communion in reflection and remembrance of God's kindness and his grace and his generosity to you. And be reminded of his goodness. That we serve a God. We serve a God who's been so generous to deal with our greatest need, which was separation from him. And no matter what we've done, where we've been, or what's been done to us, we serve a God who extends a hand of kindness and grace and invitation. We build our lives on that firm foundation. So today, the invitation It's to pray and to listen to God, to respond and fill out your card, to leave a gift of generosity that kickstarts really what is a month of generosity, to sign this steal with your prayer for the future. And if you're a follower of Jesus, to take communion and remember that he loves you and he's for you. All of these options will be available to us at the close of our service. But before we get there, I want to leave you with just one last story, a story that really has inspired this whole conversation around building the future. Um, It's something that began to well up in my heart back in September of this year. In September of this year, uh, Stacy and I were invited uh, to go speak at the Cambridge Union Society in the United Kingdom. It was perhaps one of the most incredible experiences of my life. It just so happened to also fall at the time when the queen had been moved to lay in state in the city of London. So the day that we arrive in London, the queen is there. So I'm in Kensington Gardens in Hyde Park with hundreds of thousands of people leaving their well wishes for the queen. It was an out-of-body experience. We get on a train and we head to Cambridge where I'm going to spend a couple of days speaking to 40 Um, legal experts from 40 different countries. Some of these people are Supreme Court justices. Others are uh, federal judges, legal experts, 40 different countries. And I'm 
in this ancient historic room called the Cambridge Union Society, walking by posters of like Bill Gates and a Kardashian, which was weird, but like walking by everybody. But what was most inspiring for me in that time was getting to walk the streets of old historic Cambridge. Uh, We went to a church called the Round Church. It was constructed in 1100. And there are college students at Cambridge that gather at that church on a weekly basis for prayer, coffee, and study. The church is almost 1,000 years old. On my way past um, our hotel, I stopped by a small church that had a, a plaque on it that said that people have been gathering here since 1689. And I peered in on a Sunday, and there was probably about 50 or so gray-headed folks gathered, worshiping, singing songs out of hymnals. And then Stacy and I got to visit Holy Trinity Cambridge on a Sunday morning. We walked into a room that was packed with people. I mean, to the brim. We had to sit at the balcony as people worshiped Jesus. And that church was built in 1400. And it began to get my mind thinking as I was there. It was, it was perhaps one of the most inspiring moments of my life. Because I was worshiping in a church with tons of young families. I mean, there were so many strollers, you thought you were at Disney World. (laughs) Tons of young families, international students, people from every tribe, nation, and tongue. I mean, as diverse a room as you can imagine, worshiping Jesus in this building that was built in 1400. And I got to peer over the balcony and watch this happen. And it got me to thinking, It got me to thinking about all of the people that were peering over the balcony of heaven, watching people worship in this church built in 1400, that were there when it was being built in 1400. People who had taken bricks and put them side by side to construct this building that's 620 years old. They were building a building. Listen to me. They were building a building built on the gospel of Jesus for people from nations and languages that they didn't even know existed in 1400. There were Kenyan international students and Asian international students worshiping Jesus in a room built by people that didn't even know that those nations existed. 600 years later, heaven peers over and says, I built that. I was a part of that. See, people in 1400 were building a future that they did not know how God would use. And I want you to hear me say today, I think we're building a future too. That this thing that we're building on Narcusi Road, it's going to outlast many of us. By God's grace, this will serve our community for decades and for generations to come. And there will be people that we have never met, families that we will never know, children that have yet to be born, grandchildren that have been yet to be born, great-grandchildren yet to be born, that they're going to meet Jesus in that room. Their lives are going to be changed. The trajectory of their future is going to be shaped because of the thing that we get to be a part of today. Because we're building a future building a future that's not just for us, 
but building a future for the generations to come in our community. So no matter what happens, if schools can't meet or churches can't meet in public schools anymore, or if land gets too expensive, there will be a forever reminder on Narcusi Road that the gospel is here to stay, that Jesus is here to stay, that grace is here to stay, that unconditional love is here to stay. That's what you're a part of today. What you're a part of is building a future that will last far beyond you, that God will use for his glory and our good. So would you pray with me? Father, I ask that in the next few moments, you would meet us in power in this room. That, God, you would open our hands and allow us to be generous people. That, God, we would give in such a way that would be reflective of our gratitude for how kind you've been. God, that we would give in a way that would stretch our faith to trust you for even greater things. God, remind us that what we're building is we're building something for the future, for your glory, and for the good of generations to come. These are the things we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.